ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. About to share this episode thanks to these fine companies I depend on in the field. Game Changer Calls. The GC was designed with all hunting callers in mind. Though elk is the intended target, the unique size is a game-changing tool for turkey and coyote callers as well. It is not designed to replace your tube or open reads, but rather to complement the caller's repertoire in the field. Vortex Optics. Proudly made in the USA, Hoffman Boots. If you're heading to the backcountry and you need some meals that won't bog you down, check out SasquatchFuel.com. 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head over to SasquatchFuel.com. Titanium Archery Products. Dedicated archers deserve truly unique products that provide all the performance attributes that they demand, and that's exactly what TAP delivers. For more brands we run and trust, jump on westerncontours.com partners page. Look for the code Western Contours and save a few dollars off your order. So we're back on with Amy Hall. Amy, good morning. We're looking at what's today, January 1st, 2020. It is the new year. New decade. Craziness. This is my, let's see, I'm finishing up four decades this year. It's exciting. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. I know. The the point of no return. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, what is it? It's two decades in the 1900s and two decades in the 2000s. It's kind of exciting. That is, uh, so is that a turning point? in uh, a woman's world is 40 or is that like 35? I don't know. I think truly, I think that things kind of started turning more at 35. I think I'm excited about 40. 
Oh, um, dang. <laughs> I am. I'm not afraid of 40. I'm actually really excited. My mom has told me forever that her 40s were her favorite decade. And so I've never really feared them, I guess. Um, so I'm excited. And there's a lot of good things that are happening this year. So I cannot complain about it. Heck yeah. So jumped on. We want to recap um, your series you did with all those uh, amazing women. Um, yes. And so, the one man. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was trying to figure out how to phrase that there. Throw that in there. The uh, Matt, we appreciate you too. Yeah, that was a cool episode though. Um, listen to them share that experience and their growth together in it. Um, yeah, that yep. was pretty cool. That was definitely pretty cool yeah. to share that with, you know, the significant other. Um, yeah, it was nice to, to hear that and, and to hear their appreciation of each other with those experiences and growth. I agree. I think that, uh, I don't know, I think that that episode was a great one because you got to see two people walk alongside of each other learning how to hunt big game in, in different ways and, and how they learned, um, who has what gifts and, um, and passions and, and how they looked at it differently. It was just a really cool, you you wouldn't even have to be married. You could be two guys or two girls out hunting and you're going to notice those same things. Right. It was just a great, it was, yeah, it was a fun episode. I'd be interested to hear the contrast of the two that are out there arguing all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard stories. (laughs) I've heard a few stories too, but I think that, I think when it comes down to it, it's, uh, it's, it's how you go into it. Um, it's the mind game behind it. It's your, is everybody's focus in the same direction. Um, and I think that anybody's going to argue no matter what, even, you know, if you're going to a hunt club or, or whatever, yeah, you don't always see eye to eye with each person. Oh, heck no. That's why I like my solo trip uh-uh. so much. <laughs> I love my solo trips. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was the, and that's a hard one. I know I'm going to put you on the spot uh-huh. here. What was your favorite episode to record? Oh, goodness gracious. Um, Man, I think that my first one that came out um, with Carrie was probably one of my favorites. Um, I don't know. Each one, I can pull a favorite thing from it. But um, hers was not necessarily the first one we aired, but it was one of my favorites to have a conversation with just because of... um, all of her different backgrounds and hats that she wears and how excited and passionate she is about each and every one of those things. It, I really enjoyed talking with her. Yeah. She seems to have a smile for everything she does. Everything. Uh, right. You talk to her and I recorded with her, I don't know, sometime mid last year. Um, mm-hmm. And then watching her on social, it's just yeah. an amazing level of passion with everything that she does from wildland to the seals and sea lion efforts. And I mean, just unbelievable. I agree. I definitely agree. And she's a freaking beast on the mountain. I mean, that she's a badass on the mountain. I love her. Gets it done. Yep. And watching her this year, um, 
go out with her mom. Her mom seems to be the exact same way. And I loved seeing it um, with both of them side by side. It was fun. Yeah, I don't know that I'd want to share a camp with her. (laughs) (laughs) Would there be a sense of uh, intimidation there? Not not intimidation, (laughs) but dang, she's out there. I mean, she is... When you look at it, you're like, oh, man. I mean, she is just beating the hell out of everything. There's no there's no looking back. It's all forward Mm -hmm. and it's full send in everything. And it's just it's wonderful to see that level of passion. It's just unbelievable. I I agree. And I think I think her her mule deer hunt this year, they just love them some mule deer. And they uh it, it ended up, it turned out really great for them. So I was happy to see that happen. And there's some way that she, she comes across and I'm like, yeah, Carrie, Carrie put everybody on deer and killed them. <laughs> 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 Those are all her deer. <laughs> They're all of hers. Oh, I, she gives, she gives credit where credit is due and she um, is humble about it. And I think there's, um, there's a perfect combination of confidence and humbleness in a hunter that is uh, admirable. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So what episode did you learn the most from? Oh, goodness gracious. Um, I, well, of course, I learned something from each and every one of them. Stop saying um, that. I do. And you know it because I know that you write down from each episode something, oh my God. little I was, nuggets. I was just looking. I have three notebooks from the year here. And I was like, wow, I only got two pages left in these things covered. It's yeah. I've, I went through half of a notebook with just these 12 episodes and I have written down so many things from each one. Um, I learned a lot about mentoring through each and every one of them. I learned, um, there were two that I feel like I learned a lot from that I, of things that I didn't know. And that was with Kate McGrath, the duck huntress. Um, I really enjoyed that conversation because I'm going on my first duck hunt in about a week and a half. And she gave me so much information. Um, I think I wrote two pages of stuff down on that episode just because I needed to know it for what was coming up. Um, And I think also I learned a lot um, from Ashley. Uh, Ashley Strange out in New Zealand because New Zealand is completely foreign to me. Um, And it was fun to hear kind of how they get started. And there were some similarities and things like that, but she had a lot of information about New Zealand. And then Ashley Eve with taxidermy. Goodness gracious, that was a good one. Just to know um, kind of what we as hunters can do to make their job easier. And ultimately leading to a better looking mount. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So we all want, if we're going to get something back like that, if we're going to want to, to remember it and have those memories, we don't want it to look like crap. We want it to look good. And that starts in the field, not in the taxidermy shop. Uh, Absolutely. Um, what? Okay. I, well, let me back myself up. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's amazing when you, when you we talk about the notebooks, right? I mean, I've been hunting mm-hmm. a a good amount of time, and you're fairly new. Um, yes, but there's no less lessons um, when you start listening to these episodes, right? We're holding conversations about their experiences, but the amount of information, if you're listening, um, is unflippin' believable. And that's one of the things doing this over the last year that I have grown to appreciate um, mm-hmm. because we're all students of this game, right? It's an ever evolving yes. process. Um we don't, I don't care how much time you spend in the woods. You got guys that are out there, you know, killing monsters from whitetail to elk to mule deer, doll sheep, whatever it is on a regular basis. But even those guys are in that constant evolution and that ability to sit here and listen and hold these conversations and then even be on the receiving end of the podcast and just listen. All those nuggets that come out of it is just it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I agree. So I should put you on the spot and ask you what your least favorite episode was. <laughs> but I, I won't. What what episode intimidated you the most? Um I you know, I think that it's really funny. I think that the first one I ever recorded with Lisa Marie was very intimidating, but I think that was just on a technical standpoint and coming into it, um, as a first conversation. I think that, uh, I, I truly was very intimidated by, um, Carrie Hirschberger just because I'd seen everything <laughs> that she had done. And, and isn't it funny though, that the one that you're most intimidated by ends up being one of your favorites. But so, that goes back um, to what I was saying. I wouldn't want to share a camp mm-hmm. with Carrie as much as I want to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, golly, I would. If I could be a fly on that tent wall and just soak it up, um, I'd love it. But, yeah, I think that hers was kind of intimidating. I think um, having a conversation with um, with Britt was a little, um, intimidating at first, but man, she's so down to earth. And I loved hearing about, you know, not just where she had come from in the past year with what social media and the news and everything had done to her, but actually getting down to who she was and how she started and what her passion was and what she was hoping to, um, how she was hoping to impact our community. And so that one ended up, um, being way different than I thought it was going to be. And I was excited about it. When we look at, you know, well, for the lack of a better word, right in the, in the hunting community, the, the people that are air quotes, larger than life, right. Or professional hunters. Um, it's, it's funny when you listen to them or you talk to them because it's the same drive, it's the same passion. Yeah. Um, yes, they've been able to figure out how to make their living at it. Um, but ultimately we're all hunters. The conversations are easy going back to what you were talking about. We're just talking hunting. We're just talking about that yeah. experience. And uh, I, I would venture to say 
less, you know, that's their livelihood. But I guarantee a lot of those folks and then watching, like you said, what she went through last year with all that. I bet you they would outside of being able to shed light on the positive impact of hunting. I bet you they wouldn't have any problem with dropping that and just being in the in the high seats in the bleachers if you will and just yeah. going out and hunting because there's that yep. watching that and listening to that episode and looking back at what she was going through and then just kind of googling all that stuff um what in the actual it was just like oh man and all i could say was poor woman and and that sounds to a point that sounds horrible <laughs> but it just sucks well, to no. have to always be up against that it, it's you know, she was not in the public eye before that. She was very private about her hunting and social media presence and everything like that. There, um, her, I, what she did in Africa was just, it was fun. It was exciting, but it was also, there was a, the conservation side of it and the impact in those communities. It was really important to her, not the, um, not standing up and saying, this is me. Yeah. And so she, she happened upon that, not by her own will. And so to hear her, uh, kind of talk about how she wanted to navigate that and, um, and step into it in such a negative way and turn it into a positive way. Um, I don't know. It shows, you know, your backbone, it shows, um, who you are and uh you know she could have focused on the negative and she could have bit back but she didn't and um and she's worked very hard over the past year of trying to um to set the record straight on on hunting overseas and being a professional hunter and and that kind of thing so i don't know i kudos to her is it just hunting overseas i mean it you know we catch an amount of flack no, here. No, we catch it here. Yeah, yeah, and it's and and you experienced a little bit of that with your albino buck. Um, yeah, and I didn't even shoot it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, right? You're you're sitting in a tree stand and you're filming it, and just oh my goodness, this is amazing. Tennessee, you can't take yeah. them for the record. Um, yep. And you caught flack with it, and it's like, how do we how do we fight? I don't care what continent we're on, what country we're in. It, it seems like a never ending battle to get people to understand that what we're doing is yes, something we love, enjoy, have fun with all those things, but it's necessary. Um, and in a shit ton of ways, it's a lot better than you going and harvesting your meat out of the freezer in the grocery store. Right. Right. No, I think, you know, like you said, it's not just overseas. It's not just in these, um, crazy populated, places that I don't know that you would think it would get more recognition. It's here at home as well. I mean, take, for example, um, the negative, um, aspect of those two guys that I should say boys, because they were not men, um, who treated that deer so horribly. Um, and that gives us as hunters immediately people can pounce on it. But man, I saw so many true blue, like good hunters standing up against it. And I'm hoping that, I mean, it's easier to pounce on the negative. It's, it's easier to pounce on that picture of a woman holding 
um, a panther that's or a leopard that is huge and and people go oh I, that's you don't hear the story behind it but when you see these negative things these bad examples of poachers and hunters that are doing it wrong or um, I don't know it's it's just it's good to see people who are doing it right stand up against it but you don't get those stories. You don't get the good stories out there in the media. You get the, the negatives a lot of the time. And how much of that stuff happens with non-hunters that people don't, that, that have never been in the woods to kill an animal um, for sustenance or sport or whatever their, their choice is that we see. So it's easy for the media and what have you in the current climate to constantly say it's hunters. Um, I read something that about those two dudes and I don't know, I don't know how correct or incorrect it was. I don't, care to pay that much attention to that amount of negative Mm -mm. i mean it sucks to see it right i don't want to watch it yeah um no that that they weren't even hunters so i don't i don't know how accurate that is but how is it related to us you know what i mean you you look at the midwest and down south and back east uh mossy oak and real tree is a fashion (laughs) you know what i mean so it doesn't even necessarily have to relate to our lifestyle and what we do but we're the ones that catch it and yeah it uh, does it sucks it it does suck but i think sharing these kind of experiences and um you know the episodes you did the ones that i'm going to continue to do um hopefully that sheds light and hopefully somebody decides to listen to a podcast that you know they wouldn't normally listen to because it's hunting related and, and hear the passion and the lifestyle and the love that we have as hunters for the animals we're taking and the experience and the land we tread on. It just, I don't know. It's yeah. a, it's I a crappy that climate. It's a crappy climate, but it's our responsibility as podcasters and storytellers to get the good stories out there. I mean, we as society, as human beings, storytelling is how we pass history on. And so this is just podcasting is a newer way, um, whether it be writing on the wall or writing it down or just speaking it through generations, we have to continue doing that. And social media and the internet has given us the ability to spread these stories further than just our hometown communities. And so it is our responsibility to get these stories out there. It's good to hear about men and women doing things the right way. It's good to hear those, um, those tough, I struggled all season stories. It's great to hear those. I struggled all season and had a victory at the end of it. Um, but also, coming to the end of a season, maybe not with a harvest, but with great lessons learned. And so I don't think there's not, I don't, if I look back over, if I go through my notebook and I look back over all of these different, these ladies and gentlemen, um, who I've talked to and I, you can take it from somebody who's been hunting all their life to somebody who just started hunting last year. And each one of them, like we said earlier, has the same passion and 
yes, we have the desire to harvest in the field um, for many different reasons. Everybody has their reason of why, but um, we also have a passion to get it out there that there are ethical, awesome people who do this and they're great examples. And I think that's with every single person that I talked to um, this fall, that was a similar background with everything. They all were excited to tell a story, maybe not just about them, but about somebody else who, who had started hunting or who walked alongside of them. And so it's just, it's exciting to look back and, and see how similar everybody is, but then those great differences that are are fun to hear. Heck yeah. I mean, it's the same story, different experience. I mean, it honestly, yes. I've done, I don't know how many over the last year. And, and that's the easiest way for me to put it all together. I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, yeah. You mentioned first. So you had some first this year in a big way with yeah. the family there, huh? Why don't you give us a we little did. bit of that, of that season? You know, we, we kind of, we got kicked in the pants there, um, kind of at the beginning of the season, we had worked all year, um, coming into the beginning of deer season for uh, a piece of property that we had been on for six or seven years and the kids had put in time and everything like that. And the night before season open, we get the message, Hey, we really don't feel comfortable with the kids being out there and that's Okay. That's, that's what you come up against sometimes when you're hunting on other people's property and you have to respect it. doesn't mean that it doesn't suck, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, looking at your child in the eyes the night before and saying, I'm sorry, we can't go hunting in the morning. Um, it, it really sucks, but everybody will hit this at some point, whether they're hunting public land or private land where they get they have to take a, st a few steps back. And so we hit that and it was a huge bummer, but it pushed, and I know you were excited about it. Um, it pushed us into public land hunting and it was intimidating as hell getting out there, um, into an unfamiliar place all of a sudden, but, um, man, the growth that has come from it, being out there this morning, I was hoping to, to connect all the dots together and it didn't happen, but I did see my buck again and hopefully it'll happen in the next couple of days. But we were able to meet other people. We were able to take the kids on some private property through a friend of ours and get them up in a tree and walking around and learning just a different place, take them on public land and get them learning there. And, um, and my kiddo got his first deer and it's exciting. Um, it's hugely exciting. I think that I was, I mean, my, the first year that I got this season, he was with me and it was exciting for me at that point that he was able to walk through the whole steps with me, but then for him to get his own deer, it's, as a parent to walk through that, it was, it was amazing. Nothing shy of phenomenal. Oh, golly, the pride <laughs> that comes from it. Um, but also the pride at watching your kid navigate through 
those moments, um, to see their emotion, to see a side took a quiet moment and just kind of reflected right there and then. And, uh, it was, a it was really, really special to, um, to walk alongside of him with that. And, and I don't know how this is going to sound. I'm glad to a point. Right. And like I said, mm-hmm. I don't know how that sounds. I'm glad you guys got pushed off. Because yeah. in, in my head, and I've never, you know, I've never hunted like you guys do. And there's reasons that, you yeah. know, public land's limited. But to get pushed off and the lessons for not just them, right? In, hey, suck it up. We got to move forward. We're going to move exactly. forward. Um, that was huge. I mean, outside of him being able to harvest his first animal, that is that's second to none in my opinion. I mean, so, yeah. you know what I mean? I, like I said, I don't know how that sounds. Um, yeah, it'd be great to go to that familiar spot and get up there and get it done in a day or two. But, uh, how unbelievably rewarding to walk through that entire process of new, um, struggle and he gets it done. I mean, that is, yeah. that is second to none. That lesson will last him his entire life. Oh yeah. And he's, I mean, we, they, they watched us navigate through, I guess those emotions of frustration and that kind of thing. But I think that they didn't see my frustration as much as they saw my drive to get them out there, no matter what. And there is a sense of safety with a familiar place. There is a sense of tradition. If you, you can look at it that way with, nope, um, not, having, not in my world, <laughs> <laughs> not in your world, but, but over here, there's a sense of with family land. Um, there's a sense of tradition of passing it down. Your grandfather hunted here, your dad hunted here, your, your sister hunted here. Like there's a sense of tradition in certain areas. And you can say, you could say, you know, I hunted in this area, you know, I've passed this canyon however many times and then to walk, watch your son walk in the same footsteps. Like there's a little bit of tradition no matter where you are, but, um, we would not definitely, definitely not have grown like we have grown this year, um, without getting uncomfortable a little bit. And, and, and you know me, that is, I'm a firm, <laughs> yes. I am a firm believer. As much as I want to punch a tag, there's nothing that the freezer can do to replace that perseverance and that right. get after. There's just, you know what I mean? Like, it's great to have a yeah. full freezer, but I would, I would trade a fr- full freezer every single year and go with the rest of them and, you know, harvest out of the freezer. Yeah. Um, if it meant sacrificing on the other side, those lessons and growth um, and potential to be a better person after I leave the mountain or the woods. You know, the crazy thing is, is this year we were pushed the most yet our freezer is the, is the fullest it's been in years. Um, So we, I mean, there, I cannot say that we had a bad season at all. We had a phenomenal season and it's still going. Um, I've got ducks coming up in two weeks. We've got ATA next week. Um, I'm really excited to hug on some necks of people that I've talked to and, um, and had, 
you know, conversations with that wouldn't have come up otherwise. And so, um, and then we've got turkey season starting up after that. Like it, it's, it's constant. Like we are, we are going and, um, and it's very, uh, it's very exciting. It kind of takes me back to my conversation with Annie. Um, in, cause we were talking about perseverance and that woman, I love Annie. Her heart is bigger. I don't know how it fits in her chest. Um, but listening to her story, I think her story had more emotional impact on my life, um, out of the, the podcast and, um, hearing her story of perseverance and her story of how important a support system, whether it's in the hunting community or not, uh, is so important. And, uh, that conversation, it really meant a lot to me. So when, when, I sent you her page. Yes. I remember your response was pretty much, you know, holy S. Um, <laughs> she's, she is a phenomenal woman. And yeah, social media is weird, right? Doing the podcast the last year, it, it's, it's caused me to really look at people um, and their pages and their posts, things like that. Sometimes you hit them, sometimes you miss them. There wasn't a freaking miss when I said, look at Annie for one of the episodes. Yeah. That, oh my goodness. I mean, I got chills right now. Um, I know. Her, just her entire story, her passion, her drive, the willingness and, and need to share it all, not you know, not via social media, but with her family and just the Mm -hmm. values that she brings to the table. I got to be honest. I mean, we've done a lot of podcasts over the last year and she's probably, I'm going to say top three when it comes to passion for the outdoors. I mean, just unflipping believable woman. Well, and she's not, she's not public. Like she has her own private page. This isn't about the social media presence for her. This isn't about getting her name out. She's there to support people. She's there to love people. She's there to, to, um, for photography, for the outdoors, for hunting, for, um, for people who need support. And I think that that's really what kind of made her stand out to me was, was that it's not about the image. It's about what's behind what's in her heart. And that it was just amazing. And I that, loved it. And that smile. Yes. <laughs> Isn't that the brightest? <laughs> that's the brightest smile on the internet. Bar none. I don't give I a flying chili bean love fart. Her. Oh my God. I love her. <laughs> the brightest I, smile. I cannot wait. Annie, I know that you're going to listen to this and I just, one day we are going to cross paths and we are going to hug a huge bear hug and tears are going to fall from my face. <laughs> Here you go with the touchy feeling. It's going to be great. <laughs> I know. But man, but going into that episode, you can't leave that episode without your eyes burning just a little bit. Right. If not, I think I texted you right after that and said, oh my gosh, I just cried through an episode. <laughs> um, just seeing her heart because it's fully out there. She wears it on her shoulders and she's adorable. I love her. So I'm going to step us back. What with, with everything you guys went through, right. And yeah, I'm not trying to pound it, but 
fifth year and you had some lessons, but there was that, you know, I'll, I'll be nice about it. That tradition of that land. Uh huh. You had the lessons for the kids. You had some takeaways. Mm-hmm. I love that you stepped outside of that comfort zone. Um, yep. What was the biggest lesson for you afield this year? Um, I'm not necessarily a fearful person, um, but walking into places that I'm not fully familiar with are there's a sense of fear, um, that goes alongside of it. And I, uh, there were a lot of times as I was walking through the woods and public land, um, that it, it threw me just a little into not just uncomfortable feelings, but fearful feelings. Um, but then the sun comes up and I, I go, wait, (laughs) why did I feel like that? Um, so I don't know. I think that the biggest lesson, the biggest takeaway has been, uh, that the feelings that I have going into places like that in the dark, um, aren't necessarily feelings that I need to, uh, fall back from. Um, you have to push into them and you have to push past them because they aren't, I can't trust those feelings. Sometimes I was completely safe where I was. I had my head on a swivel. I had my ears on, like I made sure that I was in a safe situation before going out there. So I had to learn that sometimes those feelings of uncomfortableness or fear aren't necessarily something I need to allow. Um, I need to be able to push through those and and get to the other side when the sun comes up and realize everything's good. And it's okay. It's okay to have those. I don't want to call them fears, right? Yeah. Those apprehensions of of Mm -hmm. doing something a little bit, you know, outside of our comfort that, you know, that easy place. Um, Yeah. But getting through all the noise and the chatter, I, Mm -hmm. and I'll qualify it a little bit. Fear or respect for the potential, um, right. you know, be it predator, be it another hunter. It's always there. It's smart to a point to carry that or be mindful yes. of that. Right. Yes. Um, yes. But when you get to the other side of the chatter, the the boo, the spook, the things that go bump in the night. Um, yeah. It, it's just it's almost laughable mm-hmm. when we look at it. Right. Because realistically, is there a difference from you on the few acres of tradition land mm-hmm. versus going out in the public outside of worrying about, you know, somebody sending one your direction. Um, right. You know, what's really, what's the difference there? There's not a difference. I mean, at the other piece of property, I, we were up against coyotes. I had snake skin in the stand that we were going into fire ants everywhere, sitting in them like the, uh, there were still natural things that I still had to push through, but it wasn't as deep of a walk in. And there I was surrounded by people that I knew. Um, and, and so I, the fears were the same. It was just, I don't know, I guess it. False it grew sense of security. Yes. Yes. Yes, it was. And I think that we come when we become complacent in those is when accidents happen. So um, 
I don't know. It's good to shake things up a little bit and change things up. And that's why I love um, challenging myself each year, you know, pushing uh, that button and changing things up because I think that that keeps us safer. So what going into that public land situation, um, Mm -hmm. what would be, is that something that you're going to pursue on a heavier, on a heavier level now? Um, yes. And I'll tell you, so we got into it late. So we got into it what, two weeks after season started. So luckily it was still archery season and it was quiet. Nobody is on that property truly until gun season opens. And so after the season closes this year and the muzzleloaders go away, um, it will be, it will be exciting to walk through and navigate, um, see what's really out there deeper in, um, kind of get a more realistic vision of where deer are coming from, from where the food plots are, where the acorns are, where the water is, how they're moving. Um, we, there's a piece of property, WMA property across the street that's right up against a river. So what is that property going to look like? Um, so we're going to have all this time from January until next September to step out a little further um, and grow a little bit more in knowledge of that, that area. Uh, and knowledge is power, right? Hell so, yeah. um, so being able to grow in that, um, it has been, we recently, you know, we, I think I told you this and it shocked you. We don't have a rangefinder. We do now, but for, for the whole first part of the season, we didn't have a rangefinder. So what I would do is when we went out, I would measure out, you know, yardage. And I would usually put a flag up in different places so that I would know where that yardage was because that is smart hunting. I'm not going to shoot without knowing how far I'm shooting. That's not good hunting. Anyways, so being able to now have a rangefinder, I don't know if that's cheating now because I was doing <laughs> the work beforehand. Um, it makes it a little bit easier getting some glass, some binos. That's my next um, purchase, which is coming soon. And so it's, it's knowledge, it's growing in the knowledge of these areas, um, that hopefully next year we'll be able to navigate a little bit, um, deeper into the properties. Um, and we're going to turkey hunt over there. So it's going to lend to a little bit more, um, so yeah, there's, there's growth. There's so much potential for growth <laughs> and, I mean, and not, and I'm excited about it. I mean, cause you had, we had multiple conversations and you were in my head at the time, you were almost talking yourself out of that public land situation. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, at the beginning. Yes. Yeah. I mean, Just big because time. it was intimidating. Right. It was intimidating. But, Chip had hunted over there before, but rarely. And so it was complete. And everything that I've heard is the orange army. You've got to be careful. People shoot in all different directions. And, um, and during archery season, it's wonderful because it's quiet. 
how how big of a plot of land is that? Man, it's not much where we've been this year. Um, it's very small and there's private property all around it. So you really have to keep an eye out for where, you know, the trees that are marked. And, um, I mean, this morning I had three muzzleloaders go off all around me. So it's not like I could get up and go move around and investigate a whole lot because somebody's going to be sitting in a tree shooting down. Um, and so that, um, I hate, I mean, I went gun hunting for the first time this year. I didn't see anything, but, um, I really like archery season a whole lot better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you and every other archery hunter in the world. I know, right? Yeah. It um, just, so I, the- it, it's, it's, the fact that you don't have the noise right with, with mm-hmm. everybody out there and that we all talk about the orange army and it's a stark contrast of, of us out here in the West versus what you guys do, you know, back mm-hmm. Midwest down South and the East. Uh, when you're talking, you know, eight acres, 12 acres, and I'm not begrudging anyone or saying anything negative, but it's almost yeah. laughable um, for the lack of a better word, when we go eight acres, I'm like, damn, you could see across eight acres, you know? Um, yeah. So it's, and now put 15 people I, on that eight That's where I was acres. going. I was like, but that's yeah. scary as hell when you yeah, look at is. eight acres, 12 acres, 15 acres, and there is the Orange Army. The Orange right. Army in that small plot of land can mean 12 guys and a yeah. woman, excuse me. And a woman. <laughs> Hey, but you know, talking, talking to Tracy and Matt and where they are, she said that they have to be very careful and they're out there with you in California and on public land. They said they have to be extremely careful, especially during gun season because of how overpopulated the hunters are coming in. Um, it's a shit show. Just, <laughs> it's crazy. It's nuts. I won't go out when when general opens. Um, yeah, I won't go out. It, it's just, yeah, it, it's crazy. Some of the stuff you see. I think it was. Yeah. my boy was probably he wasn't hunting yet, so I'm gonna say six to seven. And mm-hmm. uh, I took him out, and we're looking for a nice little spot with you know with him at that age. I couldn't do crazy hikes and. Uh, we're driving and I'm glassing areas and we're about half a mile. We're on basically a, a mountain road and there's a, a big horseshoe. And I look across to the, the ridge below the road on the other side and I counted seven guys. Four were walking the same ridge and there was three guys sitting on these little fingers below them. And one of the mm. dudes starts firing and then we hear another shot and another shot and another shot. And I'm Mm-mm. like, no, I'm done. I'm out of here. Keep driving. Yeah. Keep we, driving. Took my boy. We we drove as far as we could. We hit a pole gate. I said, we're parking here. We're walking in as far as we can. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is crazy. And you're talking hundreds of thousands of acres. So right. eight, 12, 15. So, nah. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, thank you. And we you. have to do, and we've got to do what we've got to do. You know, hunters all over the world and in the U.S., they they love it so much that you do what you've got to do. And you do you make work what you have in front of you um, and what your budget allows. Um, and so 
it's it's kind of like you told me at the beginning of the season, suck it up, buttercup, like get out there and, and push into it. And so this year I'm, I will be pushing into, um, a compound bow versus the crossbow. I've got my shoulder healthy enough that it's, it's going to be a great year to, um, to grow in that. And, um, it's uh, it's going to change things up a little bit, and I'm excited about it. Not a whole lot, but just you know, you got to learn a different thing, and I love learning, um, especially when it comes to hunting. So, so how do you how are you going to seek out the next growth? How are you going to seek out that next first time on public land? Um. Well, there's. Like for next year, are you talking about? Yeah, just in, just in general with your hunting, right? Because if you go from, I'm being nice again, the tradition spot to uh-huh. getting in that uncomfortable zone. Um, and not everyone's wired like me, but I seek that. I look for that. Yeah. That is what one of the reasons that just it just keeps me going, right? Like I said, that growth and the potential to be better than I was. Sounds cliche. Um, when I walked into the woods. How do you find that? Unfortunately, you guys don't have that acreage. So how do you how do right. you think you're going to go after that for the next year? Well, I know that you love your maps. And I think that that's going to it's going to take a lot of research. Um, and and for the lack of a, a better phrase, boots on the ground. Um it's going to be hiking. It's going to be utilizing the time the off season. Um, to really get out there and become more familiar with a place that isn't familiar. And we, we say all the time, you know, for me, stepping out of that comfort zone and pushing through the fear and that kind of thing is one thing. But uh, to have the confidence to take the kids out there in a safe environment, um, it takes being familiar with a new place. And so it'll be us taking hikes out there. It'll be us um, marking things and, and making sure that we know these trails and we know, you know, how far back this is and, and where are they bedding and where are they eating and where are they drinking? And, um, and that's what the off season's for. It, it, hunting doesn't stop no, <laughs> in the season. It's actually the work, the hard work is just getting started when your season ends. Um, so I'm, I am more excited about venturing into um, the off season this year because it's going to be, like you said, getting into unfamiliar territory and making it familiar. Right. Seeking out that um, next lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Getting down by the river, changing up places, having a few places versus one spot um, because there it's broken up. So you have like six acres over here by the river that's broken up by public or pri- private property. And then you cross the road and you've got maybe eight acres over here and then there's private property and then a little bit more, maybe 12 acres up against the river on the other side. So you, there are different areas that... Um, it won't just be this one spot that we're investigating. Yeah. That's, that's awesome to get to open your eyes and say, wow, this Mm -hmm. is all available. I've been sitting here, but (laughs) all this is available. Wow. Yeah. 
and it's close by. I mean, we're within 10 miles of this. So yeah, it's not that much land. It's not that much acreage. And when gun season starts, it's a little bit crazy, but we can utilize archery season and, uh, and, and hit the, hit the ground running right as soon as the season opens instead of, I'm going to qualify something you said to a point, but no less a challenge, right? Because if you're sitting on eight acres of public (laughs) and it's surrounded by 60 acres of, of private, Mm -hmm. you have some work cut out for you. I mean, you, you really have to put in the time, the energy, find those corridors, find those little transition pieces um, that are wanting to pull them into that public away from those corn plots and alfalfa and whatever else, you know, folks are setting Mm -hmm. on that public or private, excuse me. Right. And we are lucky. We've got some of the WMA land. They actually plant. Um, They have, I mean, it's, they do a great job managing these properties and I'm very impressed. Um, So it'll be, it'll be neat to go out there and, um, in the off season and just learn because that's what it's all about. It's just learning where you are and what is going to work. Constant. Now we did this year, one of the first going back, um, we have not had a place that we can process, um, our deer over the past couple of years. And we have been gifted with, um, a place if we ever get a deer that we can go and and butcher and and process we can process at home after we butcher everything down but um we actually have a place that we can do that now and so I was able to you know skin and butcher a deer for the first time this year and it was so exciting and that shocked um, me I was like what <laughs> when you said you text me and I was like what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we field dressed. Um, like I've, I've field dressed and I've, but we have never, um, this was Chip's first deer to do as well. So um, he did one and I did one. And we had a great teacher who was patient and stood back and s- talked us through it instead of taking over. And, um, and it took us asking for help. Like, hey, we need, I need help. Can we do this? Can we learn? And um, there's nothing wrong with asking for help. Oh, no, heck no, heck no. And and what, and what a better way to culminate all the hard work in the off season and your kill um, to, and this is where we use it wrong all the time, right? To harvest that meat. Um, Yeah. That brings the experience all the way around. I mean, it just, yeah. it's second to none. There's more appreciation for it. Um, mm-hmm. you, you look at it just totally different. The amount of waste you're able to control, um, yes. and utilize every bit of that animal is second to none when you're at your hands 110% of the time with it. It's true. And we'll just get better at it. I mean, we probably, you know, the first time you butcher an animal, you probably waste <laughs> a little bit more than you do oh. on your... Well, 15th not, animal. Yeah, but, and, and the time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right. it'll get much, much faster. Um, but yeah, it was a, this season was a good season. And um, and truly everybody 
I think you've said this before as well. Everybody that I got to talk to and have a conversation with um, truly encouraged me um, and inspired me to get out there uh, and push a little bit more. So, <laughs> Chip, Chip was there, right? And, and a lot mm-hmm. of this season was you going in on your own. And that was one of the first conversations we had was your realization that you didn't need the help. There was ways well, for you to do everything. Yes. And I'm not belittling, you know, Chip's contribution or anything or not saying oh, that yeah, he doesn't yeah, contribute. Yeah. But right. he had to have some major takeaways um, from watching you go through this season and it had to open his eyes uh, to a lot as well. Did you have you guys mm-hmm. talked about that or we've we've talked about it a little bit. I know that he has been um, I think that he was kind of in the same boat as me, kind of getting into that comfort of well, this is just what our season is every year. And I think that the challenge to get out and learn has um, because we were pushed into it, thankfully, um, has been inspiring to him too. He's very excited about getting out for turkey season um, on the WMA land. And uh, I I think that it's pushed him a little bit further. I think that I was more, I was more excited about getting the kids into it this year than he was. Um, we, if we, we take it back, he was gone out of town working for four and a half months. And that was my time with the kids that I was, we were learning and reading and, um, and getting ready for the test and getting ready for the class and getting out there in the outdoors. And, um, I think Cy got, Cy got his deer and, I think Chip looked back at me the next day or the day after that and said, thank you so much for pushing into this. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's where a partnership comes into it, whether it's marriage or friends or um, family. Uh, you need somebody to kind of push in one way and you need somebody else to push in another way. And so it's been a fun, it's been a fun year to walk alongside of each other, even though we hunt separately. Um, but encouraging each other into this. And he's been extremely proud of my independence growing a little bit more. And I think that it gives him a little, a little peace knowing that I'm there um, in a way that uh, he doesn't, he's not awake when I go into the woods anymore, waiting on a call. Hey, I'm set up. Um, I sent the text anyway. Hey, I'm set up, but he might not get it until eight o'clock. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. So you said yeah. something, you said something in the beginning of that. And, uh, I think is awesome. You said we were pushed out, thankfully. So it goes yeah. from, uh, you text me that, that evening. I mean, that was late. It was five o'clock here. So you guys were like eight or nine o'clock there and you're going, yes, we cannot take the kids tomorrow. Yeah. Right. And, but Damn then, it. yeah. But then to say now to look back on it and say, thankfully, I mean, that's freaking awesome, Amy. Um, 
to appreciate the fact that, wow, this happened because of the adversity that we were, was put in front of us, but mm-hmm. thank goodness for it. I mean, that's awesome. Um, yeah. And then, so going back to a uh, good old chipper there, the spicy jalapeno maker, I need like <laughs> 10 jars of that stuff. Um, <laughs> when you guys posted the family picture of the deer and chip had texted me and was like, this is yeah. flipping awesome um, <laughs> to see not just a smile on his face, somehow that pride that he had in that entire situation transcended. Maybe it was the text, but when you look at that picture, you could see it in the guy's eyes, not just his smile. Like this is the proudest moment of my family that I've had ever. I mean, it was just like, heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Well, and he, he had said, so Cy was hunting with Chip that day. I had Ava with me and um, he said, thank you so much for letting him come with me. And, um, and I recorded a podcast with him and with the kiddo because I wanted to hear the story from the kid's mouth. You know what I mean? To be able to look back and hear, um, I'll probably release that at some point in the new year coming up. But, um, but to be able to sit back and hear him say, Hey, thank you for letting him come with me because they got to experience that. I don't, I still felt the burst of pride. I mean, I think, I think that I was sitting in the tree stand like, yeah, um, (laughs) as quietly as possible. Um, but on the inside busting and I wasn't even there to see it. Um, we were there shortly after, but, um, I was just excited that he got to be with a parent, um, who loves him very much and got to walk through that with him. And that Chip was very excited that that was what what came across. So it was fun. Yeah. Maybe I'll post that picture for the episode cover. Yeah. Yeah. That dude was glowing. (laughs) He was on cloud nine and what (laughs) we had made the mistake of, um, not taking air protection, which is like, you know, hunting one one shooting guns, take air protection. And we had not. And so, it's, Chip is sitting there beaming in that picture, excited. Sai is sitting there beaming in this picture. And Chip had no hearing in his <laughs> right ear because the kid had shot. He had it down um, shooting off of a ledge. But but the kid stood up and, and held on to that gun and shot right by Chip's ear. And so he didn't even realize until a little bit later Oh my gosh, my ear. <laughs> He's yelling at everybody. Huge mistake. Yes, yes. So, you know, there's, I don't know, there's, when you look back over a season and, um, and you can see, you know, times where you weren't even there in that moment um, and be pride, you know, have that sense of pride and excitement. It's, you know, it's been a good season. And I guess the plus, right, is is you still got one one that has yet to pull the trigger. Uh, yes. Because how do and you? And she's not ready. She loves to sit there. 
She loves to sit there. She loves to watch. She loves to point out. She loves to be there. She's just not ready to shoot yet. And that's perfectly, perfectly okay. okay. Yep. It's gotta you don't be there, push Todd. it. Nope. It has to be, whether you are mentoring an adult or a child, you can't push that pull of a trigger because if you, if you do, you then they them. might walk away regretting. Yep. You can lose And them. that's not, yeah, no. And so, you know, we do, we have, we have one that's not ready yet and maybe she will be next year and maybe it'll be five years down the road. We don't know. Um, but she's getting out there and she's learning and she's watching and she's extremely observant. And, um, if she does decide that she wants to pull the trigger, she is going to know that she's ready and there will be no regrets. So going back that my point to that was after this year, it's going to be hard to see Chip glow <laughs> for the lack of a better <laughs> phrase. Right. Uh-huh. But you got Ava that's still deciding mm-hmm. right and when that time yeah. comes it's gonna it's gonna be the repeat of that glow it i is. mean that uh, having the whole family out there and, and being able i mean even though she's not even if she never decided to hunt right i mean just yeah. having the whole family out there is huge yeah yeah we we joked with everybody that that was our christmas card picture and we didn't do christmas cards this year but it was fun to be able to say our whole family was involved with this and our whole family um, loved being out there one way or another. And it was, families don't get that a whole lot. Uh, they say, get the, get the mom involved and you'll get the family involved. And I see that 100%. Yep, that's, I've been saying that um, forever. When, when, 100%. Yep. It opens the door to more numbers for us. Absolutely does. Well, I don't care what anybody you, says. It gets you away from technology and it gets you away from, from not conversing with each other. I mean, if you think about it, I spent more time this fall one-on-one with my kids without any other distraction and that can't be replaced. That time with your kids cannot be replaced. And so to be able to say, I sat one-on-one with each of my kids for hours and there's a lot of eye contact. There's a lot of body language because you can't talk that loud. So there's whispering, there's mouthing, there's, um, you're using sign language when you're pointing places or there's a sense of communication that you have with your kids out there that you don't have anywhere else. And that's scary. Yeah, <laughs> it's scary. It's scary to look at it and realize because I don't think a lot of people do realize where we're at with mm-hmm. family. Um, can you imagine not having the ability no. to have that realization where it's just the norm now? No, and you know we don't do a whole lot of technology anyway. But it's it's still um, there's still the TV and there's still friends and there's still school and homework and sports and like we still have so much that goes on but to take five or six hours because we have the benefit of going out for a morning instead of a whole day or a whole weekend or a whole week we have the benefit of going out for a whole morning for four or five six hours and sitting with your kid and they're going to look back on that, whether they pull that trigger or not, whether they let go of that bow or not, that 
they're going to remember I spent hours with my parents. Two inches away. Yeah. Yep. Irreplaceable. Following in, following in. I, I remember the first time the kids followed me in to the, to public land in the dark and they fully trusted 100% trusted that I was leading them in the right direction. I mean, there are lessons that come from that, that you can't get anywhere else. Le- so. Not just for them though. For me. Yeah. No, I was talking about me. <laughs> okay. Okay. I was going to say, cause that's, that's a big deal when you're, when you turn around, you look at them and yeah. you have that apprehension and things that go bump in the night and you're going, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're right behind me. That's freaking yep. awesome. Um, so yeah, I was cool. glad I was more than happy and kind of welling with pride to a point watching you step into that public land situation. It was, it was awesome yeah. to uh, get the text and the messages and go, heck yeah. 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 So, it's, um, oh, sorry. it's exciting. No, uh-uh, that's um, it. So I don't know if everybody realized it. I don't know if we talked about wrapping the episodes, right? Your series, um, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And I, absolutely appreciate the contribution to the podcast um, and its growth You're and welcome. its ability to affect however many people. Um, what do you have on the horizon? Well, I am, I'm hoping I'm, I'm putting stuff together, hopefully um, within the next little bit for continuing on with storytelling. Um, with podcast, whether, you know, I really love talking with women and getting women that you wouldn't necessarily see out there with 200 and something thousand followers, just real people telling their stories. And so I would love, um, I don't have a time frame yet. Hopefully it will be soon. Um, I'll keep everybody posted. Um, but hopefully I'll continue on with podcasting and having these conversations. It's hard. Once you start, it's hard not <laughs> connecting with people. Yeah. You, you feel like yeah. you become part of that story. Oh, yeah. And there's, it takes it further than, and I think this is why I love it. It takes you further than the like or the comment. Because when you have a conversation with somebody, whether you are seeing their face or not, you are connecting in a way that we don't normally get to connect. And it becomes more personal. It becomes more um, connecting with like one-on-one, but also story to story and finding ways that we are the same and yet different and how we can encourage each other. But also when they get that mule deer, when Carrie got that mule deer, I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) she got it. We talked about it at the beginning of the season before she even went out there and she got it. Um, or, you know, walking along some, somebody who is, is going through something difficult or um, hearing their story and knowing where they've come from and how far they've come and how each time they go hunting, um, it takes pre- mental and emotional preparation to be out there. And so knowing those details, you know how to support them better 
when they do go on a hunt or they do go out or whatever they are doing, you know how to support them better. And so it just takes it. I don't know. I'm, I'm a relational person and, and I, I don't, I don't like doing surface relationships. It's I'm, if I'm going to talk with you, then we are going to be friends after this. Um, and so it's, I don't do stuff half-assed and, um, and that includes, you know, people that I've connected with on here. So I don't want that to end. So, um, I want to continue it. And I love pulling women into this. I absolutely loved that conversation with Tracy and Matt, because you saw the support, not just from Matt for Tracy, but for Tracy for Matt. And, um, and I love seeing the connection on Instagram and in, you know, the internet world of men and women. And, um, it has been great highlighting that. Yeah. It's, uh, I love it. <laughs> That's all I can say. I love it. <laughs> it, it, it. It is when I, when I approached you about doing it, I had been thinking about it and it, it's just, yeah. I love it. I, there's nothing else I can say about it. You you summed it up very well. Um, but being able to connect and see past the social media posts, right? Which, in my opinion, mm-hmm. a lot of times is a flippant highlight reel. Um, yes. To hear the grit and everything in those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, it. it's all of everybody's story isn't isn't for each and every person out there. And so... You know, I, I think that we kind of knew that it wouldn't be easy pushing some of this stuff and the conversations and pointing out some of the struggles. Um, and I hope that people go back and listen if they haven't and and really hear the heart that you and I both had getting these stories out there um, and that they know that it's not just you know, trying to boost Western contours. It's, there's, there's so like, that is so far from, from the goal of this whole project. So I mean, um, I that, hope that they it, can see that. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they do. It, it is. I mean, look at the entire platform, right? It is mm-hmm. everyday people. And that's one of the greatest things. I mean, how many hunters are there? And 98, 99% of the demographic is just you, me, Kurt Teaster, um, yeah. you know, all these people. Yeah, there's some, you know, there's some air quoting larger than lifers. Um, yeah. But for the most part, it... The real stories of hunting, there's nothing, there is nothing that compares to it. Mm-hmm. It's the people that, I mean, hunters are hunters, but take the people who are, you know, working very hard so that they can budget out ways to get out hunting. It's it's people who, um, who love to get out there with their family. It's people who find solace in being in the outdoors. It's their therapy. It's how they heal. Um, there are so many different whys for hunters getting out there. Um, but you're going to find commonality between those whys, whether you're a man or a woman. Go back to what I said. It's, it's the same, the same story, a different experience. Yeah. You know, that, uh, 
Look at the cave paintings, right? I, know. I mean, you look at stuff, you go back and you look at that stuff and it's the same story. It yeah. really, really but is. It's imp- but it's so important to get those stories out there. Heck yeah. Yeah. Um, so anything, any last words that you have before no, we I've, wrap it? I've, I truly appreciate appreciate the the listeners. I appreciate the support, man. You guys, um, people who listen in, uh, the support that I have received and that you have received, and the kind words and the messages of "Hey, that podcast really meant a lot to me." It um, it keeps the drive going. Um, and so I appreciate everybody out there who has, who has stepped up and listened and, and spoken up and said, Hey, thank you so much. Um, that means a lot. I'm hoping whoever's going to ATA next week, come find me somewhere. Um, I'm a hugger. I will hug your neck. We can sit down and, and say hello. Um, I love meeting people in person. So um, come find me and and keep an eye on my Instagram page for any new news coming out. Heck yeah. Well, once again, I appreciate your contribution, you, your friendship. Um, and I can't say anything uh, other than good job. It was Thank it was you. awesome. It was a great run. Um, shared some great freaking stories. Well, thank you for thank you for allowing this to to step into the Western Contours um, podcast realm, the world of Western Contours. Um, it, it's a, it was a step out of your uh, safety net of what you knew, letting somebody else come in and and do my own thing a little bit, and so I appreciated that. Twenty twenty. New decade, new year. Uh, Wish you and the family the best. And yeah, we'll be talking. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down. We spend a lot of time preparing for our hunts, and how we fuel our efforts is key. Head over to ValleyToPeakNutrition.com, helping you perform optimally in the backcountry. The purpose of Valley to Peak is to provide sound nutritional information supported by science to help you prepare and perform optimally in the backcountry. There's no secret. This is done through education, coaching, and programming based on personal goals and preferences. Head over to ValleyToPeakNutrition.com or catch them on Instagram at V2P Nutrition.